Listener Production. I'm automotive commentator and journalist Greg Rust, and this is Rusty's Garage. For this episode, I'm in the listener's studios in Melbourne. My guest has kindly swung by because in post-race life, he is busy on some major projects in the city here and at the airport at Tullamarine. Marty Craigle is a former Australian superbike champion who also raced in the United States and he made appearances aboard those amazing 500cc Grand Prix bikes too. More on that shortly. As you'll hear... He was steered in the direction of two wheels as a young fella, but family thought cycling was actually a better option. Marty fell in love with bikes, that's for sure, but especially those with engines. He was hooked, and Craigle wasn't afraid to take a punt with his finances to make it happen. He backed himself. That's a quality I admire. That was then. Now he is running an impressive business that in essence provides building solutions in all sorts of sectors. The parallels with motorsport are uncanny. As you'll hear, the University of Motor Racing has served him really well. From the early life experiences with family and doing it tough, to having his riding talent spotted by some big names, and a well-documented crash with Phillip Island Wildlife that affects him to this day. How he got through the dark moments and the support framework he would like to see the sport get behind when the dream for a rider suddenly takes a massive turn. Oh, and we'll tackle his nickname too, Mad Eyes. I can recall being on the grid with Marty in the 90s when we were both a bit younger. From two plus four events in the Australian Touring Car Championship, the World Motorcycle Championship and a major Australia Day weekend event at Eastern Creek called the Triple Challenge. Let's get into the convo. Marty, welcome. It's good to catch up with you again. Thanks, Greg. Great to be here. Hey, I found um, in my <laughs> in my photos, this is an audio medium, right? But we'll, uh, we'll do a little description here. I reckon it's early to mid-90s. I'm on the grid. I've got no grey hair, unlike now. <laughs> You're in Shell I Shell remember Colours. That. Yes, I, yeah. That's Eastern Creek, that yes. Is Eastern C- Creek. City Motorsport Park yep. there. Yeah. What are we talking there, I'm mate? I'm looking t- a little bit younger too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what are we talking? Australian yeah. Superbike Championship? No, that's 500 GP. Oh, that's 500 GP. East Eastern Creek, 95. I was on the Shell bike. That was um, Wayne Rainey's first... Foray. Foray back at the track and I was his rider um, after his accident. He put a little team together with Shell and I rode the bike at Eastern Creek. Mate, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it was. That, it yeah. takes me back because I, I immediately thought of your superbike titles, which yeah, we'll get to, and I yeah. thought that's what it would have been. I'm in a crook tie and a shirt. <laughs> and a shirt. God knows what I was doing. Yeah, Shell were the series sponsor for us in the superbikes and I was going pretty well and Shell, yeah, put a deal together for me to ride a 500 at the at the GP. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. I didn't finish, but I, yeah. That's a big, big day. That was, yeah, 100,000 people. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't huge. it? I, I, yeah. I can remember, is that the day, is that the day that, Doohan and Craville crashed? That they hit each other. Yeah. At, uh, 
It was a turn nine. Turn it was nine. Turn nine. Yeah, they ran and into Mick had the had the blue with with Alex. I, I can remember that's famous. It's uh, famous. Yeah. I, I can remember going to try and interview him mm. afterwards, and he was seething, absolutely <laughs> seething, and the Honda team and might have even been Jeremy Burgess and those guys said, "Hey, well, you know, just give him space, give mm. him time," and. Uh, you know, the yeah. Aussie organisers yeah. were hoping for him to be on the podium. Yeah. So we, we got him out for a special mm-hmm. thing on the podium afterwards. Yeah. And I'll never forget the energy in the crowd that day. Oh, there was a huge, huge turn up of people yeah. there, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, he was. So that's cool. Mate, that is cool for you. Can we come full circle in the discussion a little bit later and come yep. back to this? Absolutely. Because we, we should tell the story for you. What yep. what was the early connection to motorcycles? How the heck did that all happen? Uh, I was just a kid who grew up in the western suburbs near the airport, funnily enough. And Where you're working now. More yeah, on that later. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Um, my uncle was into bikes. My dad was a professional cyclist. He wanted me to ride push bikes. Yep. And I had no interest in that. And my are, we, uncle, are we talking uh, long distance cycling, velodrome? What velodrome. Are we talking? Velodrome. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, with so my uncle sponsored Kenny Blake, who was a very famous road racer back in the day. He got killed at the Isle of Man. Yep. And I went to a couple of races with my dad and my uncle. One of them was Laverton. They had a big event there, another 100,000 crowd. crowd. Yeah. Um, Agostini was there. Oh, fantastic. And it was on the airfield at um, Laverton, Laverton Aerodrome. How old is Marty Craig? Oh, I'm, oh very young. Yeah. I, I'm very young. But it left Liv- vivid memories yeah, for and you, I just, Oh, my dad and he, my uncle and his mates, they just they were there to watch Kenny. Uh-huh. And they had a bit of a truck set up and an awning and all this sort of stuff. And they were drinking beers and having a good time. And I was just watching these guys have a great time. And we were there to watch Kenny and I didn't. And he won. And I was hooked. Yeah. The sound, the, <laughs> the smell. Sound, the, the smell and this, yeah. the speed. And I'm like, oh, how good's this? Like, and I've just basically how worked, do I do worked, this? worked my mm. butt off, you know. Come, come, come back before yeah. we, we – uh, what were your memories of Ago? Because, I mean, he's oh, a there legend. Was, there was – there was a hundred thousand Italians that day at really? at, at Lebanon. No, oh, yeah. the whole whole of Melbourne Italian community was there, and yeah. he, yeah, he local bloke beat him, and Incredible. we were and we were with him. Yeah, <laughs> and that was yeah. He was he, he was humble. He yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he won all those titles. Well, he's yeah. still a damn good looking fella to, <laughs> to this day. I think he? he's still got. The record for the most wins. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, I mean, it's in the era that we now face. It's, mm. um, or that we enjoy. It's one that's unlikely to ever be beaten. So, okay, yeah. you get this this visceral thing that impacts you, that, that you are then drawn to. What's the next thing? Is it like, get me a motocross bike? Is it, what, what happens next? Well, so dad buys me a push bike <laughs> one Christmas. Your second prize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I remember, and then I get this cool bike and he's like oh you know we'll go and race push bikes and I'm like take it back I don't want it and he's like he was shattered I'm like no I want a motorbike and he said well we can't afford a motorbike well I said well give me the money I'll go and get a couple of paper rounds and I'll I want a motorbike that so you you were a worker entrepreneurial kind of yeah, even then were you, yeah, you, I, you... I said sorry I don't want it and mum was like <laughs> you know motorbikes are dangerous I said well I want a motorbike and let's just his goal, his goal was to get you where, mate, so sort of velodromes and potential yeah. Olympics or something. Yeah. Is that what well, he was? Just velodromes. velodromes. He was, yeah. yeah, he was a pro, but he was 
you know, ended up being a labourer with four kids. He, he didn't do very well out of it, but he made money as a young bloke, bloke racing, yeah. yeah, racing push bikes. Did you cobble together enough from paper runs or whatever to make yeah, this happen? Yeah, so yeah, got. A, what was the bike? It was a TY eighty, which was the totally the worst bike I could have bought. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what it was a we, trials bike, and I was I was running to race motocross, and I, you know, we had no idea, and my uncle sort of set us straight and did a little bit of dirt bike. Made across as a kid and yeah, yeah. excellent. That, that stopped and started a lot because of lack of money. Mm. Mm. And then, were you good at school? No, were you? No. What school did you go to? I went, I went to St Albans Tech. Did you? And it was a tech school, so it was a trade school. So it was very trade based, which was good for me. Mm. Um, Ironically, and, that that it serves you well now, yeah, doesn't it? In later yeah, life, which will yeah. which will come to. So, yeah. and so, then yeah, just. Yeah, became a boiler maker and a, and a ship builder. Yeah. What were you working on? Uh, building ships, yeah. repairing ships, which was really good for me as, you know, some discipline. And we basically, you'd spend six months with the carpenter, then six months with the sparky, then six months with the plumber, and you learned how to build a ship. Yeah. So I became, you know, a builder, basically. If you can build a ship, you can build, build anything. anything. You can build anything, yeah. Yeah. even more so, because it's got to be watertight. Mm. But I had no interest in being a builder or a, mm. or a shipbuilder, I just wanted to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week and buy motorbikes. I was I was addicted at that stage. At that stage. Yeah. So in order to fulfill that, what, what um, how did it go from being sort of working, putting money in the bank, trying to buy bikes and so on to ultimately merging into something professional? How did that happen? How did that transpire? I, I, I was racing motocross at a very low level off and on and I had I injured my my left knee quite badly I had it reconstructed three times and I couldn't I couldn't basically ride motocross anymore and I had a couple of years off and I got a bit depressed and sort of wasn't happy and all that mm. sort of stuff how'd you get out of that you know, uh, that's 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 a, that's a funk some races yeah. face mate yeah, yeah yeah we'll tell you a little bit more about that as mm. we so then I um decided to have a go at road racing because it wasn't so hard on your knee. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't bend my left knee properly, but I could sort of put up with it. Were the doctors saying don't do this or what were they, you know? Not really. No? No. Three Ricos is pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. And it got a lot worse after. Anyway, so I had a go at road racing and I I was really good at it. And I was always good at motocross on the really fast stuff and Mm -hmm. dirt track on the fast stuff. And I didn't. I hadn't picked up on that. And then I, I went road racing. I did a couple of road races on a two fifty proddy mm-hmm. at Winton, and I was a I was a like I'm six foot two, but I was one hundred and four kilos at the time. And I was racing against Buster Saunders, who's legendary, legendary. <laughs> you know, he'd be fifty forty eight fifty kilos. And after half a dozen races, I was racing with him, crashing all the time. Anyway, one thing led to another, and I thought, geez, I'm all right at this. Okay, so. I took a massive punt and everyone thought I was absolutely crazy. I was working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, all riding. I was, you know. I'd, that's all you did? That's all I did. And, mm-hmm. you know, all my mates are like, you know, what are you doing and all that sort of stuff. I said, this is, I'm going to have a proper go at this. So I went to the bank and I borrowed $45,000. Oh, that's a lot of money. Back then it was a lot of money. So I basically told him I was going to buy this, you know, super duper car, and I had the I had the work you to know, justify to justify yeah. it. Yeah. And I told him I'm buying this, you know, 
car, which plunged, washed it. Plunge, all... plunge. So I bought a TZ, a TZ 250 mm-hmm. in 1990 and spare wheels and spare barrels and all the stuff that I needed because I'd, I'd learned a bit about yeah. what I needed. You posted a pic of that bike on your Facebook yeah. too, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when, so I went to the first national in Tasmania as a C grader and finished on the podium. Ran off the track half a dozen times and all, you know, crashed. Simmons or Baskerville? Baskerville. Baskerville, yep. 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 Uh, and then basically by the third round of the of the championship, I'd gone through all my spare parts and I didn't know that the, the thing, you know, had a, an ignition problem and I had to miss out on a couple of rounds because I ran out of money. Um, then, uh, yeah, my dad who had sort of didn't want anything to do with it sort of said, I'll give you some money to go to Queensland and he'd never been to a race and he came, he came up and I did pretty well. I think I think fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth. And then we went to Eastern Creek for the last round, which was the first major race at Eastern Creek had just been built yep. and I won. Awesome. Yeah. So that was, yeah, I was away. Then a couple of people, Malcolm, Malcolm Campbell and Rolly, Robbie Phyllis came to my van after the race and I, we you know, all that's, and then um, they gave me a few tips and um, had a couple of days on the bike with a couple of things that they'd said to me. And we went to Phillip Island for the 250 GP. Yep. Um, and I made it, I, would qual- I qualified really well. I improved my previous lap time there by three seconds in qualifying. I qualified really well. I forget where I was. But I came back to my pit box. I'll never forget it. I came back to my pit box. I knew I'd done a, a ripper lap. And I came back to my pit box and I was one of the first pit boxes as, as up, the, up the end where you come off, off the track. And my pit box was full of Kenny Roberts, Malcolm Campbell, Robbie Phyllis, Peter Doyle, Greg Hansford. Like legends. Yeah. yeah, yeah and then I'm like, I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Sale was there and they're like the guys that I was racing with were there, you know. And they're gone. What you had done. What what I've just, yeah, mm. I, yeah. And I, uh, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And then Kenny Roberts started talking to me. And yeah, anyway, long story short, I I raced on the Sunday, got into the top 10 and I, I can never, I'll never forget it. Daryl Beatty was riding a 250 that day as well. He was at the front. He was on an NSR 250. Uh-huh. Those things were just jets. Yeah. And Daryl's obviously very good. Kaczynski was the man. And um, I was, I got up to about tenth, and I, it was a, it was a um, Mexican wave. Of the it was the it was the, fan, the fans the, were reacting, were yeah, they? Yeah, to me, I was tenth, and I was coming past, and the they were just because yeah, it was David. Australians love that stuff, yeah. mate. David and Goliath stuff. Yeah. You are fighting yeah. with yeah. with a with a machine that's not. Mm. And I got up into the top ten, and yeah, I was, I was watching the crowd. I could see they were. As I was going past, they were standing. And so then you're, anyway, you're feeding off that, mate. You can yeah, feel that. Yeah, you can yeah. feel it for sure. Yeah. And anyway, the bloody bike stopped. The clutch fried. Because I was actually riding it like a motocross bike. I was clutching it. Okay. And I, and I fried the clutch. Mm. You've, you've triggered a couple of things in me. This, yeah. this, this has immediately made me want to ask a couple of questions. Firstly, I reckon I've been on the beers with Buster Saunders in a pub in Wangaratta. That's a story for another time. Yeah. Um Firstly, the, the dirt track and motocross skill set yeah. 
does serve you well in road racing. I mean, you often hear Wayne Gardner and others talk about yeah. um, how good that is from an Australian, even now, a, an Australian foundation mm. standpoint. How does it help you as a rider? What does it do? Is it, is it a feel thing? Is it a, what is it, what does it You do? get used to the bike moving around. Yeah. And I was always the guy, even now, always thinking a little bit out of the box. The guys... There was nobody who was really any good at road racing from Victoria. I okay. was the only one back then. Everyone who was Mick, Daryl. Queensland. They're all yeah. Sydney, Queensland. Queensland. Even yeah. now you go back to, they're all Sydney, Queenslanders. Yeah. Wollongong. Yeah, 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 but all yeah. the tracks are in Melbourne. It's, mm. It was weird. Mm. So I could ride at Calder Park or, or Winton. Yeah. But that, in the early days, I was going to Sydney a lot and, and riding dirt track on oil to try and learn how to, Get those, get those skills because I was going, these guys have got a different skill set. And I was pretty good at dirt track. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I would travel and chase it. I was had no idea about setup, how to ride on the oil and all that. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I picked it up pretty quick and I did, I did pretty well. Ended up racing against Anthony Gobert, who was a really good motocross Very, um, yeah. um, dirt tracker. And I could run with him straight away. And I'm like, okay. I've, I've got to get my act together yeah. here. I've got a good opportunity. And then I, yeah, I was sort of the trailblazer with guys leaving Melbourne, going to Sydney to dirt track. Mm. And in the early 90s, if you looked at the 500s, they were all, the Australians were dirt bike riders or dirt trackers and the Americans. There wasn't many Europeans in the 500s. Yeah. It was mainly Americans and, and Aussies. And Aussies, mm. yeah. Mm. And that so, was dirt track. So you said before, I mean, you quite rightly point out in, in a description sense, you're tall. You, you know, you probably carried more weight then mm. than, than, than you do yeah. now and, and so on. If you look at the current crop of like MotoGP riders, that is the antithesis, Marty, of what you really mm. need, isn't yeah. it? So so did people sort of say to you, hey, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but you're not built for this, you oh. know, like, you know. Mm. My, my uncle, who we were talking about earlier, who was Kenny Blake's sponsor at one point, he said to me as a kid, he said, you're never going to be a road racer, mate, get over it. Really? Yeah, I was, I was shattered. He, you're too tall. You can't mm. do it, and I, I took Wanted that to prove him wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, th yeah. this does filter through in the podcast, Marty, yeah. with a couple of people. I think Greg Murphy, the um, the four time Bathurst winner, he had a similar thing at school where a mm. teacher said, "Hey, you know, you need to forget this stuff yeah. and, and focus on mm. something here, kind of deal." So a few people yeah. do go yeah. through that at times. It does it does motivate them. Bring people back to that that wonderful thing in qualifying where you've come back into pit lane first garage mm. there as you as you come off the entry road off that final turn and so on and there's this group mm. of people yeah. right like you rattled off some un, in the motorcycling community mm. some really good mm. people and they're all there yeah I, I what, could, what, what were they saying what, what oh, when you got off the bike awesome and, so and yeah I, I, could, I could get emotional talking about it It was unreal i was mm. unlike I, yeah, and, and was it because uh, you were you were on this bike that they knew wasn't necessarily a, a, a capable of being a front-running mm. machine, and here you were doing something that was, you know, pretty significant. Yeah, I rode the wheels off it. Mm. I was sliding the front and the back, and I didn't have I didn't have the bike or the tires, or you know, didn't I was me and my dad operating at the back of the back of it, yeah. about at the back of a van, and Kenny Roberts came over and looked at the bike and looked at our setup and sat there for hours and said, "I oh, would." We'll, Give you a go on a five hundred. He goes, "You're too tall, hmm. but we'll give you a try." Help, uh, yeah. And and he um he used Greg Hansford as an, as an analogy because Greg was yeah racing with him, and Greg was 
quite tall as well. Yep. Um, so Harry was the yardstick mate. So he knew yeah, that if you had a similar yeah. kind of style or traits to yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, Hansford was uh, my idol, I suppose you yeah. would say. I watched Harry yeah. as a kid at Calder Park in you know, O2 and yeah. I became a green guy as well. Did you? I yeah. think because of that. With that, yeah. yeah. He was a Kawasaki guy, yes. mate, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great, great guy. Much missed in, in mm. many ways. And he was kind of in um modern era is not the right word for it, but but in in the names that, that followed, he was sort of the early trailblaze, one of the early trailblazers for us, he? wasn't yeah. he? He was yeah. he was really good. Yeah. So did you get that test that Kenny promised you? Yeah, I had a I had a ride on a on a five hundred. Where at? At Phillip Island, what? yeah, yeah I, I, nothing come of it. Um, that blow your mind. I mean, you, you've had this you had this rapid rise from, yeah, you know, yeah. in road racing yeah. terms. Yeah, I, I ended up riding a Honda, a two hundred and fifty Honda, the following year for Malcolm Campbell, which mm-hmm. was unusual to be riding for another rider. Butter. Yeah, um, and that didn't work out well at all. I got the sack halfway through the the next season. Okay, come come back, come mm. back. We'll, let's go, we'll go to the sacking in a second, but yeah. but. What was that first impression when you rode out of Phillip Island on a 500? What did you think? Oh, it was awesome. I can just remember the horsepower and that, yeah. Um, was it brutal? It was in brutal. The, yeah? Absolutely brutal, yeah. Well, those two strokes sort of had yeah. a reputation, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. It was... I didn't get to ride it a lot. I only did a day on it and mm. it was just, the, you know, the bike that they had, they had hanging around at a test. Mm. But we were, I was used to riding a CR500 on dirt track that had 70 horsepower. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of could pick up riding it relatively, you know, quickly, mm. but I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really have a proper go at it. It's some, that, that's the type of thing you need to spend. That was, Time. That mm. was, yeah. Mm. That you, you just felt like you're going to get thrown out of the seat. I, I rode a 500 a few times after that, but. Did you have any wild moments in that first ride? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Like where? I had a Honda mainly. Uh-huh. Yeah, because we, yeah, it's all or nothing sort of thing. Yeah, and I was being a dirt bike rider using the clutch to. Mm. <laughs> so, so tell yeah. when you when you fried the clutch in that race that you yeah. talked about before. What we just explain to people that may not be two wheel listeners what you were doing wrong and what you learnt out of out of that when you fried the clutch. Because you said you were motocrossing. It, yes, you, yeah, yeah, just basically feathering the clutch to try and get it going a little bit better out of the slow corners, which is not. I, it, I had a, I was down on power a little bit, maybe mm. a bit too heavy, and uh, just a habit. Mm. And yeah, I fried the clutch and pulled over to the side, and uh, that was it. Watched the race from the side with my bloody oh. hands, had in my hands. Yeah, that was not good. But anyway, but that bike though, um, as I said, you you've shared it on your social media over time, and and so on. That was a special thing in mm. in where you would ultimately kind of go, wasn't it, that machine? It was, yeah, and learnt a lot and ended up – I'm glad I did it. I was, mm. I was why, why I borrowed all that money. I didn't want to be a guy to get to the age of where I am now and go – Sitting oh, on the front porch going, I don't know why I should have mm. did should, should have, would have, could have. Mm. And I – it's turned out okay. I learnt a lot from racing. Mm. And how'd you go with the, the because as you, you and your dad, as you said, at one point, mm. you know, trekking around, how'd you go on the mechanical side with, with maintenance and work and how'd you go with all that? Learned a lot, had to just learn on the spot. Had, mm. my, my dad was, 
sort of mechanically minded a little bit, but my mm. uncle was pretty good yeah. at just learning. Always, I always gravitated towards people who got mentored, always somebody a bit older, yep. always had an older girlfriend, Did you? always had older mates, okay. I, always looking for somebody to learn off, and I'm still the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than out late night with crazy young blokes yeah. doing, doing silly things. Yeah, we, we all had, we, we <laughs> know, we had a beer, but hmm, always trying to... I've, I've got good mentors now. I've always been around people. I've always been mentored. One of the people who inspired a generation of Aussie writers was the Wollongong whiz, Wayne Gardner. In his episode with Rusty, WG vividly recalls riding a 500cc bike for the first time. And I went, Jesus, these things are fast, you know, and they stop on a dime too because they're light. Mm. And I went, this is amazing, the thrill, Mm. the thrill of something that's got, you know, uh, two horsepower per kilo. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, think about that. Mm. Per kilo of the bike and the rider together, you had two horsepower per kilo. So, in other words, that's a bit like driving a car that's, you know, call it 2,000 kilos, we'll call it average. Uh, That's like having 4,000 horsepower. They are brave, those riders. And nothing in post-race life can come close to that buzz. From the wisdom at eyes, more from Marty Craggle now with Rusty. You mentioned um, Malcolm Campbell. I mean, another, another guy in the Australian two-wheel scene that is enormously respected as a, as a racer. So you, you said you ended up riding for him, which is good. What, what happened there and why did that not pan out? Why did you? Uh, I was uh, pretty much the only Honda in the field. Mm-hmm. Honda wanted to promote their bike, so they supported Malcolm. He was their guy. He was the, the Australian Superbike champion on, on a Honda. So he put a deal together with Honda and I rode for him, but by the I still hadn't got to the point where I knew enough about the bike mm-hmm. and how to set it up. So you were, you were, you feel like you were there too soon almost or, or, or yeah, in growth yeah, terms? Or yeah, it happened terms. too quickly and okay. I wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. And, and I shouldn't have been on a 250. I was way too tall. Mm-hmm. And they'd, they'd tuned the bike and I hadn't picked up on because it had been modified before I even got on it. So I didn't get to ride it as a standard bike. So after a couple of races, I was gone from – Winning mm-hmm. and being, you know, at the front. Yeah, I, I was struggling to finish in the top ten. Sugar, and then Honda's going what? Mm. So I got, I got the sack, pretty much, and, and replaced by another guy. How'd you take that? Not well. Mm. No. Oh yeah, I was devastated. Mm. That he's an understatement. Are you saying if you understood the tuning and the way the bike, mm. uh, uh, what it was capable of, you may have modified how you went about racing it and so on, that would have had a different result or, or not? If I had have known what I know a couple, it, it even took me five years later still to figure out what happened. Okay. I couldn't, I was devastated. I was always, what the mm. hell happened there? Mm. Um, and it came out later that, that you know, yep. they told me that they'd made a mistake and they'd modified the bike in the wrong way and they picked up on it Later. and started again with the new guy and he he did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how'd you rebound yeah. how'd you rebound from that? Because when that mm. happens and and uh, mm. you know you've had a rapid trajectory, you've got a great opportunity there, mm. obviously, yeah. and you still want to keep going with it, what'd you do? That they gave me a a shitty old super bike that I basically rebuilt myself and did a couple of races 
with me and that again. Mm-hmm. So it was a setback, mate. Set, oh, major, major oh, yeah, mm. major. Um, did okay again on a superbike that I just something I put together with myself, me and dad back in the van again. Mm-hmm. And the bike was not competitive. It was, but I did, yeah, I always knew that I could ride a bike. I never had any trouble with the speed, mm-hmm. never at all. I, my biggest problem was always fitness. So then Peter Doyle um, said to me, we'll help you out. He was running Kawasaki Australia at the time. Mm-hmm. He said, we'll help you out with basically just a stock road bike and we'll give you some bits and pieces and see how you go. That was for uh, 90, 92. I was going to say early 90s, wasn't yeah. it? So, I mean, you talk mentors. There's a great, great example right there. Mm. So current CEO of Motorcycling Australia has done great things on, you know, the American scene and, oh, and, and so on. Yeah. Great, terrific bloke, terrific bloke. So he, he kind of gets that started for you, but... Was it the advice and other things from him that you really benefited from at this oh, point? Oh, absolutely. Too? Yeah, go, well, going back to the first race on the TZ at, at um, Tasmania, I qualified on the front row as a C grader. And after that, Peter Doyle came up to me and I was, you know, 90 kilos and he's like, how you doing? There? How you going? What? <laughs> <laughs> so I got to know him a little bit with the story we just told about Eastern Creek and you know yep. Phillip Island, and then he seen what had happened with me and Honda, and he's he was he was awesome. He, he, we're, I'm still good friends, friends with, with him Peter. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and he's taught me a lot. Mm. Yeah, he's and his dad as well, Neville Doyle, which people don't probably don't remember the story with him and Greg Hansford and what they did in the World Championship. Together, together, mm. which was incredible. Mm. Um, for you know, Australian point of view, people mm. just traveling the world and mm. kicking ass. Mm. It would have been so hard back then. then. Mm. So I had Neville helping me. I had giving me a little bit of advice. I had Greg Hansford. I had Peter Doyle. Um, just giving me little snippets. That's, I was always right. looking for, and I built my own bike, and I got involved with a guy, Paul Hallam. Mm-hmm who is probably one of Australia's best tuners. Yes. Well, he's, he's not with us anymore. Yep. His dad was Frank Hallam mm-hmm. that built the Repco Brabham that won the World Formula One Championship. Amazing. That we, mm. The people that I've been around is just incredible. incredible. Mm. You love soaking those stories up oh, too when you get going, yeah, don't you, mate? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, but those, these guys were gods. Mm. They could – Frank Hallam built an engine that was one of the best in the world and mm. didn't leave Australia. Mm. Peter Doyle was, you know, son of a legend and he's teaching me. I was very lucky. And 92, I did really well. Um, Top 10 a few times in a big, very... Competitive field? Competitive field. Mm. There was tobacco sponsorship. You had, Mm. you know, Malcolm Campbell, Robbie Phyllis, um, Michael Dowson. Mm. Tobacco sponsorship with Marlboro. And, great names, and, and, mate. Oh, great, great names. Yeah. Winfield and Peter Jackson and mm. Rothmans. There was plenty of money around. We were racing you know, with the touring cars in the early 90s every now and then, so big crowds. Yeah. And then in 93, Peter gave me a little bit more support. What's the bike you're on here? Tell people yeah, the bike Kawasaki, you're on. Kawasaki, yeah, ZXR750. Mm. Yep. Still a privateer in 93. Mm-hmm. But the first race of 93, 
we went to the Winfield Triple Challenge, which was Eastern Creek. Eastern Creek. Yep. It was huge. Straight a day long weekend. Yeah. It's a really cool event yeah. that because mm. it brought everything together, mate, didn't it? There was drag racing, bikes, touring yeah. cars, and then often a bit of crossover mm. with some of those things and other categories as well. It was a very, very cool race meeting. Yeah. yeah. And I'm back to me and that in a van again. Against all the, there was ten factory bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone had all the manufacturers had a factory team, mm-hmm. and I finished third. Me and Dad in a van, crazy. Yeah, and yeah, I remember battling with Dowson. I'm going, oh, I can't believe I'm riding around with this bloke. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple of days after that event, we went to Phillip Island for a, a Kawasaki test, which was a, a, a na- international test with. Kawasaki, France, and Japan. Oh, awesome. Americans and Italians and every, all the Kawasaki factory teams are at Phillip Island for four days. And on the on the fourth day, at the after lunch, I hit a I hit a bird, a Pacific Gull at three hundred kilometres an hour, and that basically, uh, that's that's the bird story that everyone knows about. about yeah, yeah. And fourth um, of February. Uh, 1993 at about 2 p.m. Pretty memorable moment. I uh, yeah, what got, got ripped off the back of the bike, just flung, flung. I, I, I during lunchtime on the day, I was talking to Scott Russell because yep. it had been wet in the morning, and he was the world champion. He was the yep. man. I got along with him pretty well. I said, "Hey, Scotty, can you give us a tow after lunch if it dries up? We had these tyres that lasted one lap, and I was I was doing pretty well." He said, yeah, I'll give you a taste. So we rolled out of pit lane. And as we rolled out, there was these two birds on the side of the track. And I thought, oh. <laughs> so you banked that in your memory. Yes. I thought, oh, shit, imagine if you hit those. Hit those. And anyway, concentrate and get into it. And they flew off. The spook, We spooked them. Yep. Well, we got one lap to warm up and I'm sitting a, a metre off, you know, off his type ducktail. Well, then the next flying laps we completed, the birds had come back and I'm just looking at... So you 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 can see this, like like out your helmet, 300k an hour, and you you, you notice they're there. No, you? I didn't notice the birds. Oh. I noticed the only time I noticed them as we rolled out of the pit line. lane oh, and we Sorry, I thought you'd them. seen them again. Okay. Yeah, I yep. hadn't yep. seen them again other yep. than I didn't see that. When I hit it, I didn't see it. Hmm. So I was looking, I was, I'd kept up with him and I... Just as you go under the bridge, bridge. you start to go down the hill yep. into, into one. Yep. He just turned hard right, and the bird, he just missed the bird, and it got sucked into the draft where I was, and I- Flung straight I, into you. So it hit me yeah. in the shoulder, and I got ripped off the back. I don't know what happened. I can't remember. What, I, was, I was out to it, and mm. I woke up down at turn three in the paddock, oh. like oh. 500 metres away, so I don't know what happened in between. I was a rag doll. Yeah. So I've- I didn't realise it was a block of Monty Python sort of moment. <laughs> my arm was around my back and over my shoulder. My hand was hanging over my opposite oh. shoulder. Which hand? Right hand? So right my, hand? My right, my right hand was over near my, left, over here on my left. My, my shoulders were around my back and my arm was over here. And because I had nerve damage, I couldn't feel it. My mouth was full of rocks and I'd broken my teeth and my nose and my, oh. my leg and... I went to get up, and I, as I went to get up, I fell down again. And I'm, what's not happen- computing? Not, not did, yeah. didn't realise that my arm wasn't there; it was over there. 
and there was no pain because I yeah. damaged, had nerve damage. And uh, Aaron Slight, Slight turned up. They, he beat the ambulance there. And, yep. he's, and, and he's like, you all right? You all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. I was pretty screwed up. And I'm like, yeah, but where's my arm? I'm in uh, no uncertain terms. And he goes, no, no, it's all right. It's there. And he pulled it up from the opposite side. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was out to it. Oh. Yeah. Woke well, up in the ambulance and... And what happens next, mate? That's a decent road to recovery from what you've just described. Yeah, I was paralyzed. My left arm, my right arm was paralyzed. So basically for a year, my left arm put my right arm in my pocket. For a year, it was paralyzed. They said I'll never ride again. Um, that was pretty hard to deal with. That screws you up. How did you, how did yeah. you, deal, how did you yeah. deal with that? Uh, not well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Having dreams about having an arm that works and waking up in the middle of the night telling your parents... My arm doesn't work. Moved, moved, mm-hmm. and they're going. Your arm didn't move, mate. Get used to it. It's <laughs> like phantom, like yeah, phantom, yeah, yeah, wow. it's phantom. Um, and I'm like, nah, it twitched, and like it didn't twitch. And then a couple of months later, it twitched during the day, and I'm like, it twitched, and I'm like, because you have a lot of microsurgery, but the surgeon will go, we just joined a th- you know hundred wires together, and they're not color coded. We don't know if this is going to work. work. It's going to. So a lot of steroids. You know, I'm going to the gym twice a day, trying to kickstart it, kickstart kind of it, and yeah. moving it with my other arm, trying to get it to go, and all this stuff. And it, it, it's still not right. It's pretty. It was. What are you limited with now? You just, you just yeah, raised your hand and yeah. said it's still not right. What, yeah, what well, way? I can show you. It's so it's all distorted. And, okay, yeah, I was. It was. Mm. Yeah. It's okay, for biz- it's okay for business and typing emails though, isn't it? <laughs> Which is yeah. good. There's plenty of photos of me in America walking around with an ice pack on my right arm. I never told anyone how bad it was, but yeah, it was. And how how long you had to battle with it beyond yeah, this moment? I was, I was never the same. Okay. I, I won a championship, Australian won, Superbike yeah, championships. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was riding with one and a half arms. Crazy, mate. That's the end of part one of my podcast with former Australian superbike champion Marty Craigle. Despite some text messages creeping through because of the busy business he's in, Marty kindly stuck around for a part two. We've filled the tank and it's in the library for you to enjoy whenever you're ready. From the origins of his nickname to the bike that he's kept from his race days that he's about to throw the leg over once again. That's happening very soon too. And how difficult the crash you have just heard about was mentally. They breed them tough in motorcycle racing, but he's keen to see a support system for others when they're confronted with a similar set of circumstances. All that and more here on Rusty's Garage.